Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Brandy Mayfield. Brandy builds creative and simple coverage solutions for sharing platforms, asset owners, gig workers, and gig users. Brandy understands the intersection of personal and commercial insurance that is core to the gig economy and has built episodic insurance to cover gig workers and the apps that manage their work. Before her role at InShare, she established the Shared Economy Division at Allstate, which extended protection to the largest ride, vehicle, and home-sharing platforms in the eye-on-demand economy. Brandy holds degrees in mathematics, computer science, and statistics from Eastern Kentucky University. She and her husband, Mark, currently reside in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome to the show, Brandy. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you, Jennifer. It's great to be here this afternoon. Great. Let's get started. So, Brandy, as a woman in tech, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. Um, it's a great to be flexible in how you think about your, your goals and your aspirations. Um, from an early age, I was always interested in you know, programming, mathematics, etc., I, I never set about saying, oh, I'm going to be an actuary or I'm going to be a computer programmer specifically, but I knew that that intersection of logical thinking uh, would would play out. So I happened to be pursuing you know, different avenues at college career fairs, and there was insurance right in front of me. And as I talked with a recruiter for computer programming and insurance, I hadn't thought, you know, I want to be in insurance the rest of my career, but it was a perfect use of my skills. I came in on the tech side programming, you know, old school COBOL, actually. Um, it's still around in the insurance industry if you take a look and quickly segued from there over into the actuarial sciences, uh, predictive modeling, and then product build for the future. So uh, capitalizing on what your passions are and what you love to do. Uh, letting that intersect with where you find a need in business ha has been, you know, how I found that next level every time. I love that. That is great that you had the, that opportunity for, you know, understanding the intersection between personal and commercial insurance. And you understand that it's core to the gig economy. So tell us more about that. Absolutely. So it's um, if you think about the, the, the mathematics and art of uh, what goes on in insurance, no one wakes up in the morning and says, oh, I'm going to drive my vehicle to school or to drop the kids off um, at soccer practice, or I'm going to go turn on an app and pick up somebody's meal and deliver it. No one's thinking about their insurance use as they go about their day. 
But uh, as the gig economies become more prevalent, and especially in the last two years where demands for certain types of deliveries, et cetera, have arisen, uh, there's more pressure on all of these people and drivers on the road that may not even realize that their, their current insurance doesn't have this cover for their side job. Um, we all like to pick on you know, some of the big names uh, that are doing ride sharing. And those companies are covered. Regulators have you know, required that to happen. But for a lot of the gig workers out there, be it besides transportation networks, uh, that requirement for insurance just isn't in place the same way. So as consumers and as gig workers, you need to understand the company you're working with and whether you need to get more cover or if those com um, companies are providing it instead. But what's happened is now there are these really, really big commercial insurance policies for drivers like you and me that are normally personal insurance drivers in, in this program. And so it's absolutely this intersection, like you said, Jennifer, uh, to uh, cover these individuals, but for work. And if you think about the old school commercial insurance policies that are out there, they're thinking about people that are driving 40 hours a week. That's not the case. You or I will get a gig job and we might drive 10 or 12 hours a week. So with special insurance to meet that need, but it's what I like to call episodic insurance because it turns off or on depending on what you're doing at any given time. That's fascinating. Can you kind of elaborate a little more about the gig economy? What is it? You talk about the gig worker. Um, you know, just for our listeners to get a little more clear on what that means. Absolutely. And the quick answer is it's not going to be very clear because everyone likes <laughs> to define it slightly differently. But uh, if you think about your standard 40 hour work week with a dedicated employer, uh, that construct, while it still exists, um, is a little bit out the window these days. So there are a lot of freelancers. There are a lot of people that either independently or especially with the use of their smartphone and applications on their smartphone are collecting additional income streams um, or maybe even becoming their primary income stream. All of these side jobs, especially in delivery, um, some might be small tasks. And each of those different platforms may or may not ensure what's going on in those spaces. So these gig workers are, are taking on a liability themselves that they may not recognize. They love to do the job, but there's a responsibility with it um, that we're all figuring out together. And then the broadest definition of gig workers is actually bringing in you know, some of the independent contractors, independent workers that we've all known and loved uh, for decades now. So if you think about real estate agents, some levels of insurance agents, et cetera, uh, some places will go so far as to consider those a type of gig worker as well because they're working independently on behalf of different companies. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for clarifying. That's um, And you're right, our world is changing. You know, the days of just somebody driving to work and driving home have changed. The job role has changed. And they might now be doing additional things for income. So, you know, I know with Uber and Lyft, that's definitely, like you said, covered because there's been regulations around that. But the individual might not even realize what they don't have. 
Exactly. Um, you know, especially there are some professions that have the luxury of having, you know, shorter than 40 hours a week or maybe only certain months of the year. So in those off seasons, it, it's quite common for you know, individuals to pick up other gigs. But uh, do does someone carrying around a burrito need the same insurance as someone, you know, carrying around a family in their backseat? Maybe or maybe not. Yeah, very true. So I know you spent some time at Allstate. Um, can you share with us how you established the shared economy division? Absolutely. And so um, I joined Allstate in 2017 to lead their commercial product division. Uh, Allstate's very well known for um, their great personal auto and had a much smaller uh, commercial division that uh, I was gung-ho. I was you know, going to grow at Gangbuster, et cetera. But what I quickly recognized was we needed to capitalize on all state strengths to grow that commercial book and all state strengths was in the personal auto division. So about nine months in there, uh, I met with a little company called Uber at the time. And over the course of six weeks, we developed a commercial auto program for a handful of Uber states. Uh, fast forward about 18 months and I built out that sharing economy division to cover rideshare vehicle share, home share, as well as some of the gig final mile delivery for the big names that uh, we all know and love on our phone. Wow, that's very impressive. Very, very nice. Um, so you continue to develop innovative insurance solutions throughout your career. So what do you see for the future? I, I see the um, future of insurance to be this excitement to get everything exactly right, but then a need to figure out that balance with the mean. I mean, let's face it, um, in any given year, 90 plus percent of us short of regulation don't need auto insurance. We're not going to file a claim. But if we had that crystal ball and you know wouldn't get in trouble for not carrying insurance, we wouldn't go buy insurance. But that remaining 10% that knew they would need it would be spending a lot of money on cover. It's the whole premise of insurance. It's collecting the money to, to pay for the masses. But yet we all are trying to get specific and very detailed on knowing where those losses are going to happen and get the right rate for the risk. So now in this last few years, there's this usage-based layer that's coming on top of that, and especially so with gig workers. So we're at this fun intersection of figuring out what usage-based insurance is going to look like on a cost per mile or a cost per time or a cost per gig, and yet do it in such a way that it can cover across the population and gain traction. Because no one's going to want to go in and pay $100,000 per year per insurance. Yeah, that's that's very insightful, um, and it'll be interesting to see what usage basis insurance looks like. Um, also, are you seeing any trends with the hybrid workforce, or you know, people not driving as much into work anymore? That uh, absolutely. So, if you if you think of the big names that are out there that have done quite well in insurance, where they have five ten percent of the market. If they were to go to that usage-based model for their entire customer base, mm -hmm. in, tw in 2020, you know, their, their premium would have been halved. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not saying that that's wrong based on, you know, 
the, the usage, but uh, that is a direct impact to expense ratio for these companies. That's a direct impact to actual exposures on the road and what you expect to pay out in claims. Mm-hmm. And so um, the awesome big companies in insurance get to learn how to be flexible and nimble to have more variation potentially in, in premium and revenue on an annual basis than they have in the past. Right. Very interesting. Wow. Never thought of that before. So lots, lots of food for thought there. So being a woman in tech and business, what challenges have you faced and how have you overcome them? Absolutely. Um, you know, being in tech and business, it's, it's similar challenges in that we would love to have ever ending budgets to build all of the technology to consume information to have that information drive decisions, understand the future. And um, we have to do the best with our resources to get to 80 to 90% of our target outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I look at it that the challenges that we face are figuring out how to prioritize the rest, the best way to understand data, the best way to engage our broker bases and our customer bases and in insurance, and also understanding when, when 80% or 90% is good enough. Being the front runner on technology and insurance is wonderful, but there is a very high cost to uh, being that front runner. And sometimes number two or, or number three to a technology isn't necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a matter of prioritizing and learning together uh, and realizing you can't be first in everything. Yeah, and like you said before, you know, sometimes 80 to 90% is good enough, and sometimes we have to settle for that. A- absolutely, and um, 80% to 90% is definitely not bad. Yeah, yeah. We, we want it all. We want it all now, but... Uh, Especially as women, we want perfection, right? <laughs> we, 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 we want the well-oiled machine. We want to have 100% of the answers. Um, absolutely. Did you know that there is an increase in the number of women leaving the tech industry? As a woman-owned business, Directions Training has made it our mission and passion to change this statistic. That's why Jennifer created this podcast. We showcase insight from everyday women for everyday women in the tech industry. Do you know other people that would benefit from tuning in? Share the link and help us drive the advancement of women in the tech industry. Do you have a journey or know of someone that our listeners would benefit from hearing about? Reach out to us at directionstraining.com slash podcast. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and wherever you find your podcasts. Now, back to the show. Yeah. So can you share with us some lessons learned, leadership skills that you've learned in your career that can help our listeners? Uh, Sure thing. Uh, So my uh, top leadership skill is there's more than one way to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, leaders, leaders tend to have a pretty good idea of what they want. And if you're leading a, a division or if you're leading a process that you know intimately well, or you know what's worked in the past, you can't neglect um, history, you can't forget what hasn't worked, but you have to respect that there's always someone coming along smart with a a new way, a different way, and a better way to solve problems. And keep your ears open for it. I think that's that's so insightful because I, I taught computers for a while 
early on in my career. And, um, you know, I could show one way, but we had 10 people in class. And sometimes you would see three or four ways to get to the same result. And nobody was wrong and nobody is right, completely right. There's not only one way to, to do it. So it's really good that you said that. Exactly. I mean, I can uh, I, I can geek out for folks on a pivot table and someone will look at me and say, Brandy, that's an idea that's 20 years old. Here's how you do it. And mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Brandy, have you had mentors in your career? And if so, how did you find them? How did you know that they were a good fit? Any anything you can share on that? Uh, certainly. Uh, mentors in my career early on, I, I admittedly did not know to go and seek out mentors. Um, mm-hmm. That, that was something that I was fortunate enough to have a very strong boss and she would align me with folks that weren't within my direct reporting path or her reporting path just to, to give me an outside view of what was going on within the business when I started my career. And what I learned from that was one, always have someone within the company to lean on that that's not in that direct reporting path because they don't have any skin in the game to what's being directly, you know, affected in your line. But from there, it branched out to always seeking out those to help fill in the gaps. So it's, I, you know, I, I can say, give, give me a strong female that's great in computer science and math, and we'll have a great time talking but I might not grow as much as a leader or grow as much in the industry as I would saying, 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 Hey, give me someone who's, you know, worked on the legal side or worked in HR and fundamentally let's figure out how to, how to do some things together. And let me see your take on how Mm -hmm. you manage the insurance industry. Yeah. There's, there's so many ways, right? So HR, accounting, financial, um, there's relationship so management. Yes. Yeah, relationship yeah. management. There's a lot of mentors that, that you can seek really good information from. And um, that's smart to think about it uh, by job role, kind of an expertise area, not just there's nobody that's, you know, one person that's good at everything. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. So in closing, what comments or advice do you have for our listeners that might be thinking about a career in technology and maybe just don't have the confidence or don't know where to begin? What advice would you give them? Oh, so um, t- two parts to that one. Um, you know, it, it, advice for the listeners, advice for where you want to go in technology. Uh, never be afraid of the art and the science. And if you're leaning toward technology, I'll make an assumption that you probably have a high appreciation for the science. But, you know, don't don't be afraid of the visual and don't be afraid of uh, what your mind can dream up that can happen with what you what you're building in technology. Likewise, if you're much more on the artistic or musical side and you have a slight tech interest, don't be afraid of jumping into the tech and figuring out how to round out that visualization. Now, um, to get into this space, you know, to, to get into technology feels so much cooler now than it did um, as I was picking my majors in college. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the access is so much easier. I mean, with with all of 
the opportunities available online. Um, you you can go for code with Google coders. You can you can pick up essentially um, a lot of different free test courses to learn coding, etc. Um, showing the interest and trying out a couple of different free codings is is a great start. Um, if you haven't started into college yet, by all means, talk with your high school guidance counselor or your career counselor at college just to to see what's possible there. But uh, give yourself some time, you know, give give yourself some time as if this are a, were a hobby and go and see what's out there. And um, coding is not one size fits all anymore. I mean, we can talk about linear program and object oriented program from programming from 20 years ago. But you can also talk about so many different ways that you can build models to predict data, to see visual insights of what the data is giving you. Um, the, the opportunities are endless. That's great, great advice. And I think, you know, you kind of touched on this. One thing I always like to say is there's so many job roles within uh, the technology industry that it doesn't always have to be coding. There's, like you said, you know, you can analyze the data, you can research, and it could be very, very powerful. That's absolutely right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Brandy, for joining us today. Your insights and innovations have been so impressive, and it's an honor to have you on the show. So thank you again. I appreciate it, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training. Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.